When you think about sex work, what word first comes to your mind? How about when you think of construction workers or plumbers? I would be willing to bet most people would say something negative about sex work, that a bad word would come first to your mind. Whereas maybe you would think of hardworking for a construction worker. And I think this really boils down to one difference. Sex work is highly stigmatized in our society and construction work is not. But at the end of the day, are these jobs really all that different? I'm your host, Sarah Miller, psychology undergrad at Clark University. Let's talk about it. So today we're going to talk about sex work, the stigma around it, and the consequences of that stigma. Then we'll discuss what sex workers themselves say about resisting that stigma. Um, I do want to give a trigger warning for this episode. Um, We do talk about sexual assault and violence, and a lot of what I'm talking about is extremely upsetting. Um, I do think it's worth listening to what these women have to say, but um, I do just want to warn everybody that's listening. So first things first, let's define our terms. So according to our main source of information today, which is an article titled The Role of Social Stigma in the Lives of Female Identified Sex Workers, a Scoping Review, by Alison Grittner and Christine Walsh. Um, So according to them, sex work is defined as the exchange of sexual activity for goods or money between two consenting adults. Um, So this could be prostitution, which is... um, right, a kind of sex work where you're selling sex for money very directly. I think that's what a lot of people think of when they think about sex work. Um, But there's also, you know, stripping, online pornography, which are a little bit different. Um, So sex work covers a large variety of sexual related exchanges for money. But for today, we are going to be primarily focusing on prostitution. I also want to emphasize the aspect of consent as well in the definition that I've given. I think it's really easy in conversations about sex work to jump straight to, you know, exploitation and sex trafficking, um, which are, you know, bad parts that come with sex work, which I'll talk about later. But I'm also going to be saying a lot of good things about sex work, and I'm going to be defending sex workers a lot. And I do just want to um, make sure that it's understood that what I'm talking about is consensual sex work. Um, And I'll talk about non-consensual sex work later in the episode. So now to define stigma. Um, According to Goffman in 1963, stigma is an attribute that is deeply discrediting, which makes that person essentially less than and less valued by society. Um, Lincoln Phelan in 2001 pushed the definition of stigma a little bit further by saying that um, stigma is often totalizing. um, And in the context of sex work, right, women are solely reduced to being sex workers. So now that we've defined sex work and stigma, let's talk about sex work stigma specifically, where it comes from and what are the consequences. Um, First thing, I I do want to note that stigma is a very complicated thing. There are many layers to it, and um, it's all dependent on an individual's lived experience. So their background, right, where they live, their race, their gender, class, sexuality, all aspects of a person's identity and lived experience contribute to how they feel stigma and how it affects their lives, Um, right? Stigma isn't just one thing. It doesn't manifest in one way, but stigma serves to maintain a status quo. There are rules and social norms that we hold in society and people who have attributes where they do things outside of what is expected are then cast out. Um, So 
similarly, we need to think about what values in our society then that sex work goes against. Um, and going back to the original point that I made um, about sex work and construction work really not being all that different, at the end of the day, right, stigma doesn't lay in physical labor or labor that is physically demanding, right? Construction work is not stigmatized in the same way that um, sex work is, nor does it lay in work that is like mentally or emotionally taxing, right? Sex work is definitely a very mentally demanding job, but there's no stigma around being a doctor or a therapist, which can also be very mentally tolling on a person. Um, so we kind of have to be honest about the fact that sex work is stigmatized because it's sex. Um, and then in that, we have to think about what societal values around sex and women women having sex specifically, um, as well as societal values around productivity and what's considered a meaningful job, right, exist in our American society. Um, so according to that same article that I talked about before, written by Alison Grittner, um, gender and ideas around feminine sexuality is usually recognized as the most influential structural source of sex work stigma. Um, women sex workers are going against right traditional values of purity and chastity that women are expected to hold. Um, and what's more, right, is that these women are not just having sex with one man, but with multiple men. So there's an added layer there, right, where women aren't just being quote-unquote sexually promiscuous with one person, but with many. And that is by and large considered a bad thing, right? Personally, me as a woman, um, growing up, what I've been told, the number of people that you have slept with as a woman is inherently tied to your value. And online, even today, I see so much content around men saying that they don't want women who have slept with a lot of men. They're seen as um, tainted and used and for some reason, therefore, less worthy of love. Um, and that the belief here is that women who have a lot of sex don't respect themselves or their bodies and are therefore less worthy in some way. But men can have sex with as many women as they want and it's valued by other men, right? The more sex a man has, the kind of better they are in the eyes of society. And I'm sure, right, if you've grown up in the West, man or woman, you've seen this. It's absolutely everywhere, right? So already women who have a lot of sex, not even selling it, right, just for fun, are seen as sexually deviant and immoral. And so then there's, again, another layer where they're then selling that sex. It's an even bigger issue. And then this kind of goes into capitalism and class, um, which I do also want to talk about and how they contribute to the stigma of sex work. Um, right in America and the West more generally, there are values around what is considered to be a good job. And for most of this part of the conversation, I'm going to be pulling from an article titled Sex Work in Class by... Maria Gabrysferska, I'm sorry, um, and she says that lots of people put, you know, having sex and being intimate with a person on, you know, a level above a typical nine to five job, right? Sex is not menial everyday work life. Um, but regardless of what you think is morally correct, these women are providing a service that is in demand, right? Sex work has existed since the beginning of time. And to think that it's going anywhere is um, kind of naive, in my opinion, because it's existed <laughs> for centuries. And there are plenty of jobs that involve some aspect of using your body. People get paid for sperm samples. They get paid for 
egg samples, surrogacy, women sell their breast milk, right? It's not the fact that it has to do with selling some aspect of what your body is generating or quote unquote exploiting your body. It's about sex. That's it. And what's also important to understand about sex work is that, right, most women are not choosing to go into sex work as their first choice. If they do, good for them. But statistically, we know most people who are sex workers are also poor and they get into sex work as a means of survival. And so in that sense, the stigma around sex work is also directly tied to class, right? Sex work for many, for most, is a means to an end. And when you hear from some of the sex workers later, you'll see that this is so clear. Um, Sex work is being used to support oneself, but it's not seen as a legitimate job because sex is already condemned in our society. The selling of that is seen as something that people should not do and something that people shouldn't be able to do for a job. And because of that, the stigma around sex work paints sex workers as dirty and less than, and the stigma around having a job that isn't a nine-to-five office job that's not seen as a positive contribution to society, it, it causes a lack of legal protection around people working in the sex work industry. And so from that, I want to transition into the bigger issue, which is the actual impact that sex work stigma has on both the men and the women who participate in sex work. I'm, I am focusing primarily on women in this because of the kind of gender aspects of stigma that I've talked about. Um, and so there are very, very real material consequences the stigmatization of sex work has on sex workers. And I want to draw specifically from the lived experiences of women in the sex work industry, right? I am not a sex worker. Um, And so I'm going to be pulling um, a lot of quotes from a YouTube channel called Soft White Underbelly, um, who, and they conduct interviews with all kinds of people. They have hundreds and hundreds of interviews, and they have a lot with people who work in the sex work industry. And so I watched about a dozen of them, and I wanted to pull some quotes to share their experiences. And I do, again, I warn you that this is really graphic, and a lot of these quotes are very, very upsetting, but um, I would highly recommend everybody go check out that channel, Soft White Underbelly, because again, it's it's the reality of what is happening to people in their lives and doesn't do anybody any favors to ignore it. So with that, here are some quotes. So Amber says that I had the choice to be homeless or provide for my family. I chose to provide for my family. She says that she's been pistol whipped, shot at, and raped. Kelly says I've been abused, I've been raped, I've been tortured. She also says, that's why I prostitute, to get by. Valentina says, it's tiring, it's exhausting, it wears on your body. She says that people do things because they feel like they have to. And she says that sex work and shame seem to go together. Cheyenne says that someone convinced me it would be a good way to get my kids back, that they had connections, and I believed them. She says that I had a pimp who took everything from me. She also says that she's been shot at twice. Andrea says, a nice portion of my clients were police officers. You start to feel uncomfortable because some people have so much power that if they did something to you, they can get away with it. She also says, you never really know what can happen to you. She says, you'll get stalkers and stuff like that. 
and that people start to dehumanize you like you're just a sexual object. Cookie says, I chose a life of prostitution because I can survive this way. The downs is you're risking your life. She says also, and this is also very, very upsetting, um, she's talking about entering the kind of prostitution industry um, at 15. And she says that these guys pay you for your age. You just let them know how old you are and they'll tip you for knowing how young you are. And then finally, Princess says, um, in talking about a client, he knocked me unconscious and he shaved my head bald. Um, so I'm just gonna let you sit with that for a second. Um, again, this is just a handful of quotes that I picked. Um, but again, there's hours of interviews. So, right, as we can see, this isn't just theory, right? This isn't the result of some science experiment that I'm reading to you right now. This is real people's lives. Um, and in light of these excerpts, I want you to imagine the most important woman in your life. Maybe it's your mom, a sister, a girlfriend, a daughter. Whoever it is, I want you to imagine that they were on the street, tired and hungry and trying to survive. How would you feel if they turned to sex work? How would you feel if you knew the most important woman in your life was suffering? Regardless of how you feel about sex work, if you knew the most important woman in your life was abused and neglected in fear every day for her life, you'd be angry, right? You'd want things to change. The reality is every woman on the street, every woman in the sex work industry is that woman to somebody. There's somebody's daughter, there's somebody's sister, somebody's mother, and if hearing what these women go through doesn't absolutely disgust you, that we live in a world that allows these women to be abused, then I challenge you to rethink your values around sex and women. Right, in the United States, there's no protection for sex workers in the legal system and these experiences of sex workers, right, in healthcare and employment and housing, in finding and maintaining, right, positive relationships, not just with other people, but with yourself as well, right, because of the stigma, these experiences is also due to the lack of legal protection for these workers, and nobody is talking about it. Um, so in the last few minutes of the podcast, I want to talk about how we can begin to move into resistance and explain why offering more legal protections and regulations for sex work, specifically decriminalization, which I'll explain later, is a good thing. And the first step in understanding that is coming to terms that sex work is a profession that is here to stay. Trying to abolish sex work is not realistic, and in reality, sex work is not a bad thing. It's not something that needs to be abolished, but because of the values of American society that we've already talked about, it's only seen as a bad thing. And this is also largely due to the fact it's a dangerous job to have because of the lack of legal protection. Um, so to talk about resistance, I'm using a source called 10 Reasons to Decriminalize Sex Work, which was published by the nonprofit Open Society. Um, so first, I'll use their definition of decriminalization, which is different to legalization. To decriminalize sex work would be to remove all criminal and administrative prohibitions and penalties on sex work, including laws targeting clients and brothel owners. Legalization, on the other hand, would require significant regulations, which open society says could potentially harm sex workers because the people making those laws could hold stigma and make legislation around sex work that may not actually be that helpful. 
So Open Society says decriminalization is the better option. And once sex work is decriminalized, sex workers can then push for more worker rights. Um, also, right, even if sex work is decriminalized, things like human trafficking and the prostitution of minors would still be obviously a criminal act and would still be illegal. Um, so I'm not going to talk about all 10 reasons, um, but this is an amazing source. And again, just like Soft White Underbelly, I would encourage everybody to go read that if you want to better understand why decriminalizing sex work is the best solution. Right, so first, there's a matter of violence and abuse. If we decriminalize sex work, workers don't have to hide in isolated areas where violence may be more likely, and they'll have more freedom to screen clients. Currently, um, right, usually sex workers are more concerned with going undetected by authority than they are with making sure their clients are, you know, not out to get them. Um, also, if decriminalized sex workers can actually go to the police and report abuse without the fear of arrest, um, in a similar vein, if we decriminalize sex work, it also challenges the kind of consequences of having a criminal record. In a lot of the United States, sex workers who are arrested and convicted of sex work-related crimes are then considered sex offenders, which highly limits opportunities for alternative jobs, housing, loan applications, educational scholarships. Um, also, decriminalization would mean more access to health care. And according to studies done after New Zealand decriminalized sex work, the use of condoms greatly increased, which in terms of HIV and AIDS and STI prevention in general is a good thing. Um, and lastly, I'd like to touch upon how decriminalizing sex work is actually an effective response to sex trafficking, which is usually one of the biggest concerns around sex work that people have, that they falsely believe sex work needs to be abolished if we're ever to fix human trafficking and sex trafficking. But in reality, it's actually the opposite. There's no evidence that laws prohibiting sex work does anything to combat trafficking, nor does the decriminalization of sex work lead to more trafficking, as can be seen in the case of New Zealand. And actually, the U.S. Department of State considers New Zealand to be among the countries most effectively working against human trafficking, and sex work is decriminalized there. Also, what's more, decriminalization of sex work is an essential first step to pushing back on sex work stigma because it requires people to see sex workers as people who deserve protection. And increasing conversations about sex workers, particularly conversations that center these women's perspectives, is again an essential first step in addressing the stigma. So to conclude this episode, right, we've talked about what sex work is, what stigma is, how sex work stigma materializes in people's lives, and the consequences of that stigma, which was brought to you by the women who were interviewed, um, right? And then the importance of resisting the criminalization of sex work. We need to acknowledge the very real parts of our society that push people into sex work, and then the obstacles that make it so much more difficult for those people to then get out. And if we want preventative measures, how about putting more money into education, into healthcare, into community centers, right? So many people turn to sex work because they have no other option. And our American society does absolutely nothing to give them any other option. So we need to stop seeing sex workers as dirty, right? Because they're just people working. They're people providing a service and they deserve worker protections just as much as everybody else. To finish, I would like to leave you with this quote, which Cheyenne said in her interview, and I just didn't include it earlier. She says, 
to be able to look into someone else's eyes and just to know that they have the power to take your life from you because of the way you are dressed or the work that you do because I'm pretty or I smiled at him is scary and those things stay with you.